Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. We're opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good day once again, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on Will Our Cupboards Go Bare? This Thursday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. Or, or will the bear empty the cupboards? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Okay. I'm telling you, it's getting really, really interesting out there. I mean, I just heard recently that China has announced that through the rest of this year, we are talking about exports out of China decreasing by 40%, man. Oh, okay. I wasn't talking about China, the bear, but I, I was talking about the, the wild bears that keep wanting to release in, uh, yeah. you know, central Washington. Well, and, I'll tell you something, man. If China, you know, decreases those exports by 40%, that's going to mean a little bit of trouble for our supply chain. Well, it, well, I mean, it's we can buy less things that break frequently and have to replace frequently, I guess. We're going to have to learn how to... We're going to have to figure out someplace else to get our pork. Well, well, except a lot of our pork is raised here. It's just owned by China. Yeah. So, you you know, they might not... They're not going to export pork. I I don't know on the pork situation, but, you know, obviously electronics, that's a big thing. Uh, How much clothing do you think people have out there that's not made in China? Shoes? Yeah, you bet. You know, electronics. Electronics? Oh, of course, the circuit boards are made in Taiwan, but the rest of it's put together in China and then shipped to us. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. You your know. Apple iPhone, all your computers, your, you know, yeah, you yeah, bet, man. A lot of stuff. Big screen TVs, the whole thing. It's getting kind of scary out there, man. I, I don't know that it's all that scary. I think that a lot of American households could probably use a little less TV time. <laughs> yes, for sure. Now, in 1970, a car executive visiting Denmark learned that a 1939 Buick Dual Cal Phaeton was owned by a local resident. Since the car never actually went into production, it was a rare find, a one-of-a-kind vehicle. Delighted with the discovery, the executive bought the car and spent his time and money to have it restored. Currently, this unique car is featured in a world-renowned collection of classic vehicles. Hidden treasures can take many forms, and in the book of Chronicles, we read about another discovery of a lost treasure. Eighteen years into his reign as king of Judah, Josiah began to repair the temple of Jerusalem. During the process, the priest Hilkiah found the book of law in the temple. The book of law, the first five books of the Old Testament, had likely been hidden away decades earlier to keep it safe from invading armies. Over time, it had been simply forgotten. When King Josiah was told about this discovery, he realized the importance of the find. Josiah called all the people together and read the entire book of law so that they could commit themselves to keep all that was written in it. Still important for our lives today, we have the amazing blessing of access to all 66 books of the Bible, a treasure of infinite worth. You know the drill, folks. Father God, you are a loving God. Help us to delight in the treasure of the scriptures today. In your son's Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, first story that I wanted to nail you guys with here this morning. Again, you know, are the cupboards going to go bare? Is the pantry going to be a little bit lighter than it used to be? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Netherlands seeks to close 3,000 farms by threatening farmers with compulsory land buyouts if they refuse voluntary offers to comply with EU climate rules. Now, the Dutch government has announced plans to buy and close up to 3,000 farms near areas deemed environmentally sensitive to comply with EU climate rules, the Telegraph reported. 
The Netherlands stated that it would first offer one-time voluntary deals to large nitrogen-emitting farms in hopes of reducing pollution. However, if not enough farmers accept the initial offer, the Dutch government announced that it would move forward with compulsory purchases. According to the government plan, which hopes to target 2,000 to 3,000 farm landowners, will be first offered a deal well over the property's value. Nitrogen Minister Christian Vanderwall. Ooh, boy, that's an interesting title. Nitrogen minister? Well, that's this whole, <laughs> it's this whole thing on, on climate change. You know, it's the screaming Greta Thornburg situation that we're dealing with. And, of course, you know, your cows are putting off methane, and it's, it, mostly they're belches, actually. But there's all these things that they say pollute the environment, and most all those things haven't, they're all human-caused environmental disasters, they call them. And of one of them, uh, nitrogen is something that you, you know, put on your lawn. Nitrogen, when you compost, when you're composting, one of the things you're composting in the natural plant-based things that you're looking to mulch is going to be nitrogen. That's right. You want to put that back into the soil for plants to grow. Now, they've done this in other countries, and it's greatly reduced their crop yields and their ability to have successful crops in tough years. So you reduce your nitrogen usage and you reduce the food supply. And so what you do is these countries are looking at taking farmland. So let's say you have 10 acres and they say, well, we want to reduce climate change by 30% and you have to uh, help us do that by reducing your crop size by 30%. So your 10 acres now becomes, I'm just using simple numbers, now becomes seven acres. Right. So now you're losing 30% of what you would normally make, right? So you still have to pay for your tractor. You still got to pay for all the other costs of the farm. You're just not going to get 30% of the crop that you would normally get. You bet. But I'll tell you something, Tim. Here is where it's going to get even better. And I don't mean better in a good way. Okay. I mean, here's where the article gets better because it's getting right down to what is actually at the root. Now, nitrogen minister Christiane Vanderwall told members of parliament on Friday, there is no better offer coming. She added that if enough farmers do not take the voluntary offers, then with pain in the heart, the government will move forward with compulsory purchases. The Netherlands, and I never, I didn't know this man, but this could be detrimental to a lot of people around the globe. The Netherlands is the second largest food exporter in the world. It's huge. Okay. The second largest food exporter in the world is aggressively pushing forward with the plan to comply with the EU's conservation rules. The agriculture industry is reportedly responsible for nearly half the nitrogen emitted in the country. Now, do you want to deal with a potential nitrogen problem or would you like to keep eating? I mean, that's it at the end well, of the day, isn't it? So there, a lot and of And I mean, is, with the Netherlands being yeah. the second largest food uh, exporter in the world, I mean, again, I don't know what they're exporting, but uh, that just signals to me that, you know, the vast majority of these 3,000 farmers, the vast majority of the crops that they're growing, they've already taken care of their internal needs. Right. Now they're, you know, making the profit selling to their external customer base. Well, there's, there's, and that's us. Well, that's us. But, they're, you know, we're in the state of Washington and we're a huge exporter of food as well. Yeah. A lot of, you know, the apple state. Well, actually, apples is not just what we're doing here. We, we export wheat 
We export tons and tons of wheat, ship, sure. shiploads of wheat. You go to the Port of Pasco and you're going to see, you know, these grain piles that are just getting siphoned and put onto barges that are shipped internationally, right? Right. right. So we, we Then if there's anything left over after McDonald's gets done groping around in the barrel, then, you know, of course, potatoes, potatoes. can be shipped around the world. Yeah, because McDonald's is using Washington potatoes. Washington is the number one potato producer yeah. in the United States. There's Thank a lot you, of things. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. Right. Right. There's a lot of things that, you know, Washington and these kinds of discussions are happening in our state capital as well. And they've been happening for a number of years. In fact, our Department of Ecology and the Department of Natural Resources have been buying up farmland in recent decades. And so they're reducing the amount of independent farmers that are out there by taking farmland off of the, the purchasing shelf for farmers, if you will. They're putting it off into conservation, but also when you're talking about expansions in counties across the United United States too, but in Washington state, there's lots of development contracts where a developer has to put off, you know, a certain portion of property and then they can get certain tax advantages when they're building a development. So now you have this other property that's taken off of the ability to develop. So they're squeezing out your ability to purchase housing. They're making housing more expensive, but they're also making farming more expensive, which is why the big corporate farmers don't battle a lot of this legislation too terribly because it just makes them more powerful. Right. Well, here comes the punchline, ladies and gentlemen. Now, according to a ruling by the Dutch Council of State in 2019, every new activity that emits nitrogen requires a permit, including farming. In the future, the government is considering taxing nitrogen emissions to encourage sustainability, the Dutch News reported. Now, Will Hild, the executive director of Consumers Research, told the Daily Caller News Foundation, the Netherlands' war on farmers to pursue their ESG agenda serves as a stark warning. Americans should be vigilant against efforts by both governments and big Wall Street firms like BlackRock pushing the same dangerous net zero carbon emission targets here in the United States. It is difficult to overstate the recklessness of undermining farmers during the greatest global food crisis in decades. This will likely exacerbate the food price inflation that we are already experiencing. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy, now I can look forward to paying $30 for five dozen eggs in a box. Instead of the 15. And that's going to happen with a lot of our foods. going to be a lot more expensive. And, and in developed countries like the United States, the Netherlands, places like that that export huge amounts of food, we're going to suffer, you know, at the checkout line at the, well, the self-checkout line. And, uh, you know, so you're going to suffer the cost of, you know, bagging your own groceries and paying a higher price. Doesn't that uh, suck? But, I mean, you got to do the self-checkout. Mm-hmm. Then you got to pay eight, you got to grab the bag and pay eight cents for every gra- bag that you grab. Right, yep. You got to plug in that bag number there and then you got to bag your own groceries. And you got to about- But at least you get a higher quality <laughs> bag. You get a bag that's not going to break down before you get to the car. You know, it's oh going to take, a, you know, thousand years to break down like they said about the old bags that broke down if you left them out in the sun for i don't know a couple weeks yeah yeah now you at least get a good bag but yeah so all this environmental stuff it's definitely creating a cost issue it it inflates the cost of things you know you're going to see demand go up for things and the price go up for things but we're not going to be the ones that truly suffer mike and this is where the left i think is missing the boat and i think the right needs to start talking about how much food do we export for free? 
right. how much food do we export at a reduced cost to nations with extreme poverty and hunger? Yeah. So who's going to starve to death first? It's not going to be U.S. citizens or citizens in the Netherlands that export huge amounts of food. It's going to be the places we export to. Right. It's, it's going to be poor third world countries where the people are starving and have to start eating dirt. Yes, exactly. You know, the family and I, we were having a conversation about this. So just in the last week and the subject of poverty and severe poverty came up and I basically chimed up and pointed out the fact that I said, hey, look, you know, we here in America, yeah, we do have our levels of poverty and, and degrees of poverty, if you will. But if you sit down and you think about it, man, everybody that claims to be experiencing poverty right now, the vast majority of them, I mean, are they really in as poor a state as they think that they are? I mean, everybody's got a cell phone, they've got a tablet, they got a computer, they got internet, they got a big screen screen TV. They might have body piercings. They definitely got tattoos. And here's a good stat for you. One out of three Americans have got tattoos. I never knew that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, a third of us here, a hundred million people have got tattoos. Right. Well, that t- that means that uh, that that means that there's a bunch of them that have tattoos that are not on welfare. <laughs> Whatever, man. Because I mean, that, I'm you're going through the you you didn't hit the hair dye thing yet. You talked about the TV, <laughs> right? I did. All, all of those things, all of those things were not like the working class populations, uh, you know, list of what they have readily available to them. You're talking welfare recipients have all that. Yes, they do. Like, they do, and, and at least seventy-five percent of what I just got done rattling off is being given to them through subsidy programs. And, and we're not talking about the person that has free a medical, free dental deficiency. We're not talking about those that the Bible instructs us to care for. Yeah. We're talking about the ones that could go out and work. Yes, that have exactly. all of that provided by the taxpayer. And you look at these third-world countries; they're living better than the middle class in a third-world country. Right. But that's something to think about while we take a break, because. Uh, Guess what? In the United States, you get breaks. I wonder what those China sweatshops give for breaks. We'll be right back. A lot of your beef comes from Brazil, Africa, and China. Bet you didn't know that. The Spokane County cattlemen know that, and they are the ones advocating for country of origin labeling on the meat that we buy and feed to our families. Find them on Facebook right now. That burger you just got at your favorite drive-thru has over a thousand different DNAs in it. Well, you may want to consider buying from local producers. And in other words, folks, buy locally. The Spokane County Cattlemen are on Facebook and are there to advocate for you, educate and inform you on what's happening in the global and local meat industry. With today's Corona-controlled society, the shopping restrictions and possible rationing, making sure that your family doesn't experience food insecurities should be our top priority. You can do your part. Be secure. Buy from local growers and producers. The Spokane County cattlemen know this and are here to help you. Find them on Facebook right now. To our Spokane area veterans and their families, if you haven't checked out the Hilliard Veterans of Foreign Wars Post 1474, located at Diamond and Regal Street in Spokane, you gotta be there or be square. The Hilliard VFW is there to assist you and yours with all your VA questions. Give them a call at 487-3784. Weekly bingo, cards, bowling, dart tournaments, and meal specials are just a few more things that the Hilliard VFW offers. Stop on by, give them a call, 487-3784. 
And welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on Will Our Cupboards Go Bare? This Thursday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. Well, I, I think a lot of people's cupboards are more bare than they have been in the past. Looking at the uh, the cost of living and inflation and all of yeah. those things are definitely affecting how much people can buy. You know, we, we talked about the, the Christmas buying season and how they were looking at, you know, people were going to spend more, you know, 2% or 3% on, you know, Cyber Monday and these numbers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're coming out. And but speaking the of which, is, I, I still don't have any numbers for Cyber Monday yet, but I'm looking. Right. <laughs> but the numbers are deceptive because it's not looking at inflation. Yeah. You know, you look at what a house cost in the 1970s. I think my house went for less than the interest I paid over the last four years, yeah. right? Yeah, no kidding. Um, you know, back in uh, the 70s, you know, you could still buy a house for 35000 or something right. like that. Right, 35000 that's nuts, isn't it? You know, it, it thinking is. Thinking about it now, you can't buy a house for 350000 almost now, right? Right. So, you know, you start looking at the cost of inflation, people bought a lot less and just paid a lot more. So people got poorer. Basically, this last year, you know, you had talked earlier on the show or actually the last episode about $11,000 more just to maintain your, and that was in Colorado. We don't know about Washington. Right. I think the $11,000 number in Washington is not going to be the case. I think it's going to be higher. You think so? Well, because of taxes and... Yeah, and it seems as though, you know, our economies and our numbers seem to be about, right about where Colorado is. Kind of. Oh, except for our taxes are higher. Yeah. Did, didn't we have more tax increases than Colorado? I think we did. Well, we may have. So anyways, it, it, the, the cost of living going up, you look at the, the cupboards being bare, and then you start looking at these international you know, ESG score things like we were talking about in the first half with Netherlands coming to, to Washington. Yeah. And, and people want to say, oh, don't say that. They'll actually do it. No, they're already talking about it here in Washington. They've already been engaging in all of this stuff by having government entities buy up farmland and then limit farmers' access to water. Yeah, you betcha, man. I'm telling you. And, you know, uh, here in the United States, no different, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you know, Tim and I have brought you coverage where we've got billionaires buying up farmland. You know, Zuckerberg, I mean, he likes Hawaii property for some reason, and he continues to buy acres and acres and acres of Hawaiian property. But Bill Gates, I mean, that guy is out there buying up farms left and right. Well, here is your next headline, folks. Billionaire-funded eco-group quietly taking farmland out of production in rural America. Now, the American Prairie, or AP, as they are commonly referred to, and don't mistake them for the news media outlet, a conservation project in Montana has quietly scooped up more than 450,000 acres of land with the help of its billionaire donors and the federal government. The little-known project aims to create the largest fully functioning ecosystem in the continental United States by stitching together 3.2 million acres of private and public lands, according to the AP Foundation, which founded the reserve more than 20 years ago. The group has recorded 34 transactions spanning roughly 453,188 acres of land throughout central Montana much of which were once used for farming and grazing since 2004 and continues to aggressively expand. And some of that land, it got directly from the federal government, I believe. Yeah, you bet. Now, our mission is to assemble the largest complex of public and private lands devoted to wildlife in the floor 48, according to the AP's vice president, chief external relationship. For comparison, about 25% larger than Yellowstone. Wow. 
Now, we're not asking the federal government to create anything. We're not asking the federal government for any money, he added. Instead, we're engaged in private philanthropy and voluntary exchange by buying ranches from people who would like to sell that to us. The American Prairie Foundation has raised tens of millions of dollars in the recent years, according to recent tax filings, thanks in part to its donors, which include well-known Wall Street and Silicon Valley magnates. Hans-Jörg Weiss, a Swiss financier and mega-donor of liberal causes, deceased German retail mogul Irvian Haub, John Mars, and the heir of the Mars candy fortune, and Susan Packard Orr, daughter of the Hewlett Packard Company co-founder, have all donated to AP, according to Bloomberg. The AP said about 3% of his contributions have come from international donors. Now, it's an area that doesn't have a lot of people in it and has been depopulating for a long, long time. So the thinking was perhaps there's greater potential for less conflict over conservation in this part of the world. Yeah, shades of Yellowstone right here. It's like I know. Uh, I, w- I wonder if the uh, Native American tribes in uh, Central Montana are on board with this. Haven't seen any reference to that as of yet. Maybe we'll run into it before we hit the end of the article. Well, we'll I, see. I, I don't know. It's starting. To, I mean, if this thing gets that big, I think the the, the uh, American Native Project should just uh, jump in and claim the land. <laughs> Do something. I mean, man. if this group wants. Absolutely jump right. In and claim I mean, the land and and just ba- buy up basically half a state and try to expand this, and then they can uh, just hand it over to wildlife. How does that actually serve mankind? As far you know, if you can't hunt it, you can't fish it. Who's got rights to the land? Uh, they create this, you know public trust or public private trust that's yeah. outside of typical US government corporate structure so that they can have, you know, public lands, private lands all conglomerated together to say, nope, no man can touch this. Yeah, you bet. I, I don't know that it I don't know that it would withstand the scrutiny of the Native American cultures, you know, kind of guide on how they want to control wildlands. You bet, man. And you know, I would imagine that the Native Americans would definitely be all over that land providing uh, sustainability you know, and balance, i.e., right. yes, it, conservation on one hand, but it's got to be able to continue to produce, right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Either the wildlife or the crops. Mm-hmm. Now, AP's plans have faced increased pushback from top state officials and local ranchers who argue that such a nature reserve would remove key land from production and negatively impact the surrounding privately owned lands. Using its donors' funds, the group has purchased 118,000 acres of private land and leased another 334,000 acres of public land owned primarily by the federal government. Those donors are able to write those contributions off as a charitable donation. So there's a greed factor involved in this. It's a a big tax write-off. Oh, you bet. You know, if you start buying up land, there's no more land being made, really, unless, well, I guess there is in Florida because they just, you know, push some sand into the swamp and build houses. But, you know, this is a sticky point, I think, in American freedom, right? Oh, these people are free to buy up the land and take it out of, you know, service all they want. Well, to what like extent? Like the communist Chinese have been buying land here? Well, you got the communist Chinese. They're buying up land in the United States. They own uh, the majority of pork production in the United States. You've got these entities that are buying up farmland and oh, they're calling themselves the American Prairie Association. Right. Except for they don't want Americans to be able to use it. So right. I don't know how American right. that is because the good old fashioned American way was they gave land to farmers to farm in the Homestead right. Act, right? Yeah, they did. 
So now they're going to take this out of production, no grazing. And uh, the reason why it's going to threaten those private farms is the same reason why our state government is doing things that threaten local farmers in not just in ways of buying up land, but reintroducing wolves and bears. And if you don't think a grizzly bear will take down a cow, I don't know. Think again. Uh, I've definitely seen videos of same. And, you know, not only that, but we're talking about water restrictions, you know, flood improvements, all kinds of weird stuff. Discharge of waters from private lands onto these conservation lands. So, you know, you you can't have your cattle next to the water. Well, how do you water them? That's an extra expense. You know, there's all these details that these entities jump into that hurt our American farmer. Right. You bet. Now, it's really concerning that we have such an amount of foreign money coming into AP to buy up our ag land, he told Fox News Digital. For the future of food security of this country, we need to take a close look at that. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, you go to war with China or something like that, right? Let's say we end up in a uh, world war of some kind, which everybody's uh, terrified that's what's going to happen with this thing going on in Europe now, right? Yeah. So you have these oligarchs, these, you know, rich moguls, whatever you want to call them, that decide to weaponize their investments. Yes. Yeah. Weaponize their investment. Well, China doesn't need to make money off of pork because every Chinese corporation has majority shareholder or majority board member group of the Chinese Communist Party, right? Right. So they decide, well... We don't care about the money. We care about the uh, economic war we're in, and bye-bye pork. Yeah, no kidding, man. There goes your bacon. (laughs) And I like bacon. Yeah, who's going to, yeah. It's a protein. It's a major protein that's used in the United States so that people don't starve, right? Yep, you bet. I mean, I guess the vegans have come up with the Incrediburger is one of them. I mean, there's other sources of protein, but how much farmland can you farm to produce those other proteins when they're buying up that too? Well, it's definitely something that we all need to definitely keep a finger on the pulse of, because like I said, you know, cupboards could go bare. You uh, know what think, I'm saying? I don't think we need to keep a finger on the pulse of it. I think we need to keep a finger on the pulse of Congress and tell them that we're, we don't want to see this anymore. And we need to probably put America in a safer position with, uh, you know, other powers around the globe to where we can maintain some sovereignty. Of course, I don't know that that's a word that they want to talk about anymore because they're all about selling out America. Yep, you bet. All right, folks, your last story for today. Plaintiff attorneys, near final blow dealt to the Air Force by the Sixth Circuit over vaccine mandates. And here's the story. All three judges on a Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals panel unanimously upheld a class-wide injunction protecting unvaccinated U.S. Air Force personnel from being disciplined over the Department of Defense's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Yay! This is nice. In their 56-page ruling, that's for the Air Force, yes. So, obviously, you know, the other lawsuits from the other branches, they'll all start falling the same, I'm sure. Now, in their 56-page ruling Tuesday, the panel denied the federal government's request to overturn a lower court's ruling after previously denying its request for an emergency stay. In Doster versus Kendall, in the Sixth Circuit judges Eric Murphy, John Birch, and Raymond Kethledge affirmed the July ruling of the U.S. District Court Judge Matthew McFarland in the Southern District of Ohio in Cincinnati. McFarland's first issued a preliminary injunction preventing retaliation against 
18 plaintiffs in the Air Force whose religious accommodation requests were denied. He also granted class status in and an injunction applying to the class as a lawsuit continues. The Air Force lost in their appeals to his rulings, and all of that will remain in effect. So this is definitely some good news for those that are serving in the Air Force for sure. And it's really kind of a sad testament to, you know, the Air Force brass or military brass just arbitrarily issuing the edict that if you're in the forces, you're going to have to get in line and roll up your sleeve. Well, but the forces that, I mean, our military has been experimented on. I know, all since sorts of its things inception. I know. For a long time, you know, what is it, Tuskegee? Yeah. You know, I mean, was that it? The airmen, right? Yeah. Tuskegee airmen. So there's a lot of examples that you could use where the military, you know, has failed to protect our our military members in, you know, civil rights kinds of things like this, because the military obviously belong to the military or military asset at that point. But there's a movie out there talking. It actually brought up the military side of this briefly, I believe, but it's died suddenly. Uh-huh. And so I just actually watched that last week and it was kind of interesting. We'll have to talk about it in the future here because, you know, I think that government mandates have to be diminished. I think government powers have to be diminished, all these emergency powers. And we've got to start looking at the Constitution and see if we can recognize our government through that lens yeah big time dude all of that being said ladies and gentlemen mike and tim are out here today we'll be back at you and in your face again tomorrow bye-bye